This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. It takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. It was the best time of our lives. Getting money was all we ever did. Hello and welcome to the Carousel Podcast. Today we have a major guest who has just released a major project, Raw Egg Nationalist, the creator of Man's World, and Issue 10 just dropped yesterday. So thank you so much for being here. Hey, it's a real pleasure, Isaac. Thank you. Thanks, man. You're. It's so great to, to finally be doing this. I've uh, been thinking about how to do this uh, for a while. I was. I wanted to do a thing with you and BAP about food and menus that I was kind of like, because I'm also obsessed with food. Um, just like both of you are, but in sort of my own way. And, but then you also are a unsung master of parody advertising, um, which is, I think one of the most creative things that you do. And I remember when I first downloaded man's world, I really wasn't sure what to expect. And I was just completely blown away by the aesthetics and more than anything, these hilarious fake ads that you have in here that are, are such a surprise, I think, for anybody who downloads them. And of course, I am an advertising person. So I was just amazed at how much, you know, I'm always trying to think of funny fake ads to make and you were just rolling them out without even, you know, like and they were all incredible. And I was laughing, like belly laughing at every single one of them. So um, I was very surprised. Um, the thing I want to ask before we get into your ads in general, though, is you do so much. You know, you write nonfiction, you tweet all day long, you have all kinds of different channels, you have a fiction piece in your new man's world. How, and this is what everybody says to me when we talk about you, how do you do all of this? Like, what is your process to getting all I this done? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, really, I really don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm I'm lucky enough that I, I have a job that... Um, allows me plenty of time uh to myself it's very flexible i have i'm on the computer anyway uh during the day doing my thing which is sort of literary anyway so um i'm in the right kind of the right kind of headspace and in the right kind of environment um all the time generally so i don't i don't really have to set aside time necessarily to do what I do on Twitter and what I do with the magazine and when I write um, in, in any way that's sort of separate from my life in general. So I, I'm just, I'm on call 24 seven really. So if I see something and it suddenly makes me think, Oh my God, I could do a, a really funny parody advert of that. I can just do it, uh, you know, basically at a moment's notice, which is nice, you know? So um, I, d I don't know that I have a process. I just, I just, when the inspiration comes, I just, I just try to follow it generally. Um, and I'm, and I'm lucky enough to be able to do that. 
What about the social media and the writing though? Like, do you set aside a certain amount of time to write every day? Do you schedule the social posts in advance? Uh, I, I tend to do my best writing in the evening. I've always been a, I have too much energy during the day. I find, uh, I can't really, I can't really write in, in a, in a kind of serious sort of dedicated way until I've worked out. Definitely. I, I have too much energy. Like I can do the social media and stuff like that and I can fire off tweets and I do sometimes schedule tweets. Uh, I mean, I pay, I pay most attention to, um, to American, uh, you know, when my American uh, audience is waking up and and logging on and that sort of thing, because that's where most of my um, most of my followers are. So you know, I schedule tweets for what will be the afternoon in in where I am, but is you know it's earlier in the day in in the US. But yeah, it's the evenings when I do most of my work. I mean, I generally when I write in the evening, it's only maybe for two hours. That's the most writing that I do, but I do a lot of magazine stuff throughout the day. Like I can, you know, if somebody sent me an article, I might edit it during the day and then start to set it out in the magazine. Um, but my own writing generally takes place in the evening. Yeah. And it's only for a couple hours, like a day. Yeah. 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 I, I, I could never, like, I could never spend an entire day writing. I would never, I would never do that. And You're a chip, I find chip. really that, um, I, I find really that it's better for me to have a busy schedule because then I, I take advantage of the spare time that I have, you know, like if, if I had a whole free day to myself, I would procrastinate. Whereas having a, having a little bit of, um, having a little bit of, uh, you know, sort of pressure on my, on my shoulders time pressure then that just means that i i value the time that i that i have and i put it to good use right yeah i became a writer in law school because i was avoiding doing the law review writing i was supposed to be doing <laughs> so I was, like, <laughs> I was like you know yeah. just like fuck this i'm gonna go to the coffee shop and like write what i really want to work right and that's about how i became a writer because it was like i was supposed to be doing something else um, so I totally get it. I, I'm just, See, it's I interesting. I, 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 no, no, I was just going to say, I, I find it interesting that, um, other people can write in crowded places like coffee shops. I absolutely, that's something I absolutely cannot do. You I absolutely to, you can't do. Silence. I can't work in libraries. I just, I just have to have my own space and I just have to be able to do things like pace and move around and sort of, um, I, I like to have my books to hand, you know, so I've got, I've got loads of bookshelves here. So I, you know, I can just reach something off the shelf. Um, yeah. I'm very, I'm very set in my ways in that regard. Like I could, I, I could just never take a laptop to a coffee shop or a library and start writing. I would, it's hell, hell for me basically. <laughs> yeah. I'm the opposite. I can, my wife always gives me shit because it's like, if I'm writing, I, I can't even, I don't hear anything. It's just like my ears are not functioning. Like huh. I, I can totally listen to music and be in virtually any environment if I really get into it. I mean, if there's awful, you know, societal decline music in the coffee shop, <laughs> that will kill me and I can't do it. But it because I'm just bothered yeah. by it. But if it's just people talking, I can I can totally uh, get through it. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, you know, everybody has a different thing i guess I, it's just i get the question so much like man how does this guy do so much stuff do you get a lot of sleep or are you just like we're, we're one of these guys who's working all night long 
No, no, I go to bed at a reasonable hour. I I go to bed at ten o'clock. Would you believe it? I wake up quite early. I wake up at about half past six. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't work through. I used to work through the night when I was at when I was at university and stuff like that. But but now I would I would never do that. I just I think if you can, you know, in, in two hours, if you really are working, then you can. You know, I can write an article in two hours. I can write a piece. I can write. I can write. Uh, I can. I can get a lot done. I can get a couple of thousand words done, and that's usually enough. I mean, if you break down a big project, say if you're writing a book, like when I was writing the Eggs Benedict option, then if you just break it down into manageable chunks, then you just think, well, okay, I'm going to do a minimum of five hundred words or a minimum of a thousand words every day. You know, I mean, if you're writing a a 70,000 word book, that's only 70 days work, actually, if you can if you can really focus and and actually just hit that number every day, at least. So, yeah, I think um, I think that just putting aside a little bit of time rather than, you know. Been like whole days. Yeah. You know, there was yeah. a great, uh, I, there was a thing that was t- trending, I think, on Twitter recently. And I want to say it was Ernst Younger saying exactly what you're saying. He was saying, like, if I had an, I can do all the writing I need to do in an hour a day if there's no distractions, yeah. basically. And I think yeah. that that's true. It's true of me too. I mean, when I'm really in it, and that's why I'm such a pressure guy, you know, like I need pressure. I have to have that deadline and then I'll, do it all really quickly, you know? Um, whereas some people are more plodding, but yeah, I think you're right. It's like, if you really have a clear headspace, you can get an immense amount of writing done in a very short period. The only thing is for me, the shit that I just vomit out sucks. So I, I have to spend a ton of time hacking it, hacking it, hacking it, hacking it down. And if I don't do that, it's not going to be good. So that's why I'm actually extremely slow writer for that reason. Like I can write an entire 80,000 words in no time. It's just going to be terrible. And it's like, I have to then really like re-engineer every sentence. So it, that's the part that I find difficult. Whereas you have so many facts in your writing. Do you have to like find those facts? Like, are you constantly citing yourself or does that, have you just read so much that they're right there when you need them? There is certain there's certain stuff that is just right there, and I know I know where it is, and it's just it's just kind of uh, I've 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 written and spoken enough about it now that I just I know where to find it. But I mean, when I was doing the book, then yes, I had to I did have to um, I did have to uh, keep track of all of the references I was using, you know, and um, and really pay attention to all of that kind of stuff. But for the most, I mean, my basic my basic um, worldview is and and my basic arguments are so well established now i feel so confident with them that yeah i just i know know where to go it's not um yeah it's not too much of a problem having to um you know if somebody asks or where where you know where did you hear that or where which study or whatever then i can just go to it pretty quickly you know and i've and i've got such a back catalog of, of tweets now as well you know i can search through all of my old tweets somebody wants something about testosterone or eggs or cholesterol or whatever, then I can just find it pretty easily. So, I mean, Twitter, Twitter is good like that. I think in a way, you know, where you can build up a, build up a library of, um, especially if you write threads and, and, you know, sort of detailed informational tweets, then you can build up a quite a useful library of, of almost like prompt cards and, and uh, material that you can just disseminate quite easily. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely like, I like Twitter. I do like Twitter. It has its problems, but I think it's a very, very useful tool. And it's been incredibly useful for me um, to, you know, to to build a profile and to and to get people to um, start paying attention to my work. Did you think that you were going to be a health person? Like when you were starting any of this or when you were starting doing anything, did you, or when, even when you were young, did you imagine that like health and nutrition would be your thing? I mean, I've always, uh, I've always been a, a sportsman and, and I've always been into physical fitness and physical culture, although I, I kind of really got into it in a big way in my mid teens, uh, really started to train, um, and started to take nutrition seriously. Um, I mean, when I when I first logged on to Twitter, I mean, I was a lurker for however many months, six months, maybe something like that, just lurking around. So it was, you know, I'd, I'd read Bronze Age Mindset. And I was oh, just this was after you got around. on Twitter after Bronze Age Mindset was published. Yeah, well, I read Bronze Age Mindset when it just came out. So like wow. 2018. Oh, so you're um, new. So I hadn't you're, been you're on Twitter then. New. And then I had a. Yeah, I mean, I'd been on the Internet for a while, you know, I've been on maybe been on a few forums and things like that but uh no the twitter thing was new and i just i had a lurker account and uh the i mean it was my account that i've got now but it was a different name it was um turning point gebekli tepe and it was you know just i didn't tweet anything but i just uh sort of uh, followed bap and some other people and just you know laughed at the at the kind of funny things they were saying i i had no idea that that anything would come of 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 my being on twitter absolutely no 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 plan whatsoever nothing um so it's still it's still a surprise to me really it's great man well you became a total master of it you know i think um i didn't realize you were so new i think that that explains uh that explains like what your methodology in a way like i think these guys who have been you know all these other guys they start i thought you were one of them i thought you went back to like chateau artiste forum you know where all these guys started no, posting. no. like i think they were all on there yeah. together you know what i mean like tacos bronze age perfect i think yarvin was on there like a lot of these people started as like internet nerds like way back when you know yeah yeah the root the roosh forum and stuff like that return yeah. of kings and all those different places yeah yeah whereas i totally missed that yeah, it's, it's very... like, I, I wasn't there at all yeah I, I didn't even go online really <laughs> until much later so yeah um okay uh sorry were you gonna say something i didn't mean to cut you off there no i was just gonna say no i, I was just gonna say it's funny that uh, it's always funny to see the posts that turn up from the early days you know like early early bronze age pervert posts from the Rouge forum and stuff like that it's um yeah the the early internet i mean that sort of time i was just i was just on facebook really you know i didn't really didn't really pay all that much attention to the internet probably until you know maybe until sort of 2012 maybe a little bit later even than that 2015 um but uh yeah i mean it's it's definitely i mean it's definitely been the it's definitely been the making of me as as the Roy nationalist. So I'm grateful for it. Do you think you'll ever come out? <laughs> out of the anonymous closet? Uh who yeah. who knows? Maybe I'll be maybe I'll be thrust from the anonymous closet by somebody else. I don't know. Uh 
You know, it's funny. Things, I uh, thought that you had face doxed. I was so sure that you had face doxed, but then I was totally wrong. I, there was some guy on, I think it was like back when you had an Instagram account, because you were posting on there all the time too. And there was some guy on yeah. there that I thought was you, but I, I think it was not you. It was some other... Like, oh, dude. that was probably Dan Lyman. That was Dan, oh. Dan Lyman. So Dan Lyman of Infowars, um, he he uh, gave a copy of my cookbook to Alex Jones and they did a they posed together with the cookbook and lots of people thought that that was me with Alex Jones. Oh, I see. Well, you've been incredibly uh yeah, I mean it's a huge asset to to not be doxxed, you know. So I think you've done you've done a great yes. job of that. So definitely, you know, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with any of this stuff. I'm one I'm constantly conflicted about which side I'm on of that whole debate. But um, anyway, all right, let's get into the ads. So um, the first one I want to show here, and I will we'll go through some of them. I've been com- compiling a compendium of these ads for a very long time. Not very <laughs> long, but it's some amount of time. And uh, this is the first one I want to talk about. And I think this just gives a good idea of like what you do here. So, you know, fake ads, ads have always been a really, like, in my opinion, a very key part of like, culture in the sense that culture should be critical of culture all great culture is critical yeah and not all of it but most of it you know like every kubrick movie is extremely dark and critical of the culture in which it lives in um and i think that i've always loved ads i've always loved fake ads i can't you know like mad magazine going back in the day always had incredible hilarious fake ads snl fake ads i've always been obsessed with these things so you and I actually started talking because you came out against seed oil nationalist or what is it? He was actually one of the first guests on here. Seed oil, uh, seed oil disrespecter, seed oil disrespecter. Right. And you, I, I had totally bought into him and you were like, no, this guy's phony. And you pointed out that he was potentially working for this thing called zero acre farms. And I was like, no, that's wrong. But then later I realized like, (laughs) you know, maybe you were right. Um, And I mean, I I don't know, like who knows, but the more interesting part of that is what zero acre farms is. So zero acre farms is like you and so many other people have come out against seed oils. So zero acre farms is this thing that can you just tell us about what they're actually doing and like why you made this ad? This was from a few issues ago. Yeah, that's that's probably might be from issue five or six, I think. Yeah, might even be issue four. Um, so Zero Acre Farms is this really weird, really weird sort of astroturfed um, uh, startup company that's funded by people like Richard Branson of Virgin and other, you know, really, really big people, people with a lot of money. And that's supposed to be a healthy alternative to seed oils. And it's really, it's kind of, it's on the back of, it's on the back of this growing movement against seed and vegetable oils. You know, people are waking up to uh, all the sorts of, all the dangers of, of, of consuming seed oils and vegetable oils, all the terrible health effects. And uh, they're looking for healthy alternatives and, you know, one response would be, well, okay, we need to go back to eating the animal fats uh, and the animal products that we ate before we started eating vegetable and seed oils. And that's what, you know, I would advocate and other people like me would advocate. But the, the, the zero acre farm alternative 
as it turns out, is to produce what they call cultured oil, which is which is um, uh, fat that's produced in a bioreactor by bacteria or, or yeast. It's yeast, and um, uh, it turns out that also that not only are they just it's not just yeast; it's genetically modified yeast. So, I mean, this is a corporate. This is a corporate product through and through, and it's precisely the kind of product that I, uh, uh, that I'm sort of um, criticizing on a on pretty much on a daily basis on Twitter. It's it's a f- one of these foods of the future, you know, that all turn out to be patented and and owned by corporations. I mean, it's basically the great reset vision of food. But what they're trying to do is co-opt um, the sort of um, the kind of based maybe capture part of the base market by um, sort of uh, jumping on the bandwagon of, of this anti-seed oil stuff. So it's a, it's a kind of, um, it's quite insidious. It's a kind of, um, there's a lot of deception going on. And I think that the seed oil disrespecter thing was, he was, you know, he popped up and, oh, he's a frog and he's based and he's got a Pepe avatar and he's talking about seed oils and all that sort of stuff. When actually it turns out that he's, that I think he actually has, some kind of direct financial connection to this company uh and he's yeah. trying to help them shill their genetically modified um yeast slop basically yeah he did start to get a little weird uh when i really drilled into this and i i don't know if it means that he definitely works for them or maybe he's just been approached by them or something but i i do think um mm you kind of called them out at the right time because then I noticed right after that zero acre started shifting their messaging. Like they kind of, they weren't going as hard into the seed oil thing. Like they kind of were like skirting it a little bit. And I think you're totally right. It's like, this is a grosser, worse, more evil alternative to seed oils, (laughs) you know? And they're trying to kind of like, it's like tech, you know, they're trying to like be like, it's very, um, total re or, uh, the great reset because it's like it's like about using things that are absolutely disgusting in order to feed everybody at a very cheap level so that the rich people can just get richer and richer forever and feed us literal tumors which you have in a you know you have a, another ad in the new piece that we'll look or the new issue that we'll look at that's about or i don't even know if it's an ad it's just a meme that's about how lab grown meat is basically tumors it's just like they've figured out yeah. how to make tumors and that's what lab they're saying lab grown meat, but it's actually just tumors because for some reason they've decided like, oh, yeah, the meat good. system is not good and we need to make more money on it. So let's give them tumors. Yeah, well, what I mean, what, it, what it's about fundamentally is corporate control. And that's what this zero acre farm thing is, you know, like you can't you can't patent butter. You can't patent the production process for butter but you can patent the production process for cultured oil using genetically modified yeast. And that's exactly what they've done. And that was how I found out looking at the patent that they were using genetically modified yeast, because obviously you have, you know, in the patent, you have to describe the process and there it is in the, in the process described in the patent recombinant yeast. Um, But the thing is then of course, they don't say anything about that on their website um and in fact on their website they say oh we feed the bacteria non-gmo uh uh feedstock you know non-gmo sugarcane so that they're, they're lying i mean they're really they're they're trying to they know who they're talking to they or who they think they're talking to people who are conscious about things like 
GMO and um, and seed oils and vegetable oils and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they're lying to them. It's uh, it's uh, there's a real sleight of hand going on, not only with the marketing but also um, with the kind of production methods as well. So it's it's really insidious. And I just when I did this advert, I wanted to uh, I wanted to kind of let people know in a funny way that uh you know this was all a all a big all a big charade yeah here you go this is it if if you can, i don't know if you can see this but it's uh can you see this yeah i can see it yeah, yeah the, the tumors one yeah this is i will not eat the tumors unfortunately it comes up like i don't know if this is you know it comes up split like this when you're trying to look at it but um, well, if you, I think if you can do it so that it, if you can do it so that it displays as a double page and then it says something like, um, there's a tick box where you can do it so that the first page is just displayed as a single page on its own because it's the cover. Oh, how do you do that? I don't know because you're on, you're on a Mac, aren't you? Um, yeah. There's some, uh, yeah, show, oh, wait, wait, here we go. View. Show cover page in two page view. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Let's yeah, see. do that. Oh, there we go. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah, okay. Hey, that's a tip. Tip, Man's World readers. You got to switch on that. You got to switch on the show first page's two-page view because that's what, that messes it up. I see. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That makes sense. Yeah, because there was a bunch of those and I was like, why is that happening? Okay, yeah. So it's just so funny. I mean, it's just so incredible how I think of all of our messaging this is the thing that's going to win this for us. It's, it's the health thing. It's the food thing. And I think like my, you know, the virality of my Montana article was really about the food. <laughs> it was like, that's what made people understand that like these restaurants you're going to are not, they're like McDonald's, you know, like you think you're eating at like a restaurant in Montana. That's like a, Oh, a local restaurant. And it's like owned by a hedge fund in New York. And you can taste it in the food. Yeah. You know, you can literally taste globalism. And that's the thing like that <laughs> really people are, that's what's going to do it because they can't hide it. They can hide almost everything, but they can't hide the shitty, horrible quality of the food or the fact that when any American, I go to Amsterdam for a month, I come back like 15 pounds lighter because it's just, you can feel yeah. how unhealthy the shit is that they're giving us. It's disgusting. Um, so yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. The, um, the amount of, the amount of stuff that is in American food that isn't in European food. I mean, there are so many, so many additives and, uh, colorings and texturizers and all sorts of different stuff that are, you know, that, that are banned in, in the EU and, and in Britain, but, um, they're just everywhere in American food. And I, I noticed it when I came to the U S about however many years ago I came uh, I was in Los Angeles and California and some other places, and I, I bought a loaf of bread. I bought what I thought was a healthy loaf of bread, you know, a loaf of brown wholemeal bread. Got it back to my um, place and made a sandwich and took a bite into it, and it was like biting into brioche, the equivalent <laughs> yeah, of yeah, right. you know, sugar, sugar bread. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like my my God, there is so much sugar in this bread, and it's yeah. and that's the healthy option. You know, what's the what's the unhealthy option like? Yeah. No, you go to Europe, uh, you know, I've lived in Europe, I've lived in Asia, and in both instances, you spend the first 60 days like starving. No, no matter how much you eat, you're so hungry because we're just so used to getting pumped full of this disgusting shit. 
it, it's really, you know, like here you have to fast in order for me to lose any weight. I have to eat one meal a day because it's just like, so everything we eat here is so bad. And I, I buy all of my family's food at the farmer's market, almost all of it. We drink only raw milk. Nice. But you know, it's taken a long time to, to get there. And you know, it's like, it's still really hard. And, and for some reason in LA, California is worse than anywhere. I don't know why it's like in other, maybe it's just because we never walk anywhere here. The air is so bad, but LA is the hardest of anywhere I've ever lived to like stay in shape. It's that there's just something about it here. Um, so yeah. Um, okay. So I actually wanted to ask you about this other ad here because this one keeps coming up. Uh, we'll go back to the, after we look at this one, we'll go back to the front cover uh, of the of the piece but of the issue but what is this meat iris app i keep like every time i come across it i keep googling it and i realize is this a joke is it fake what is this i've forgotten actually what that is it was it I wasn't something that i made it was just something that um somebody gave you. something that was uh yeah somebody gave me somebody asked to put in the magazine i haven't actually tried it um so i don't i can't tell you actually okay. what it is i hope it's real i think it's i think it's on the app store possibly well the it might be on the app store i actually haven't tried the app store but i keep putting this url in and nothing happens but maybe maybe it you have to look in mm. the actual app store well i mean some of the some of the pro, some of the products um that have been advertised in the magazine have had quite a short short shelf life wow, right, like they've course. been they've been ventures that somebody's started and then you know, for whatever reason, maybe it hasn't done very well or, or life has intervened and then the, the product disappears. So from time to time, I do remove um, products from the magazine. But I, I will look into this Iris thing and see if it's actually if it's actually still going or not. Cool. Yeah, because you have a couple other apps in there that are real. You have the poop identifier, Hoopoo, which yeah, is cool. Hoo, hoo, poo. Yeah, That's Yeah, cool. that is cool. That is cool. Yeah. Uh, I love those apps that like tell you, yeah, identify things. It's very uh, like the judge and blood meridian, you know, like everything should be identifiable. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that. I have that for trees. So I can just point it and it'll tell me the tree it is, but it's actually very inaccurate. So uh, yeah, you had one of those in here. So I guess let's re return to the beginning and like, how did you, this is the new issue. Great cover. How did you decide to do ads at all like what made you decide to make that a part of this uh i don't i don't know so the first the first couple of issues had adverts in them but they were real adverts for the most part and then i just kind of i don't know i just i mean i've always made memes on twitter i was that that was one of the things that i started out doing first of all was making memes and I was um, making memes for Bronze Age perverts and stuff. And um, so I've always been interested in making memes. And I mean, in, in Britain, then one of the one of the magazines that I've always loved is a magazine called Viz, uh, which is a satirical magazine. It's very, very rude, uh, but they have fake adverts and stuff like that in there. It's all it's all heavily satirical. And um so I just uh, I just thought, well, actually, no, I do. I do actually have a, a reasonably good idea of, of how I how I came to do it. So I was reading old Playboy magazines because that's one of the main inspirations, really, for Man's World is 
I suppose the model of the classic Playboy where actually it's a man's magazine, but it's a man's magazine. I read Playboy for the articles. That's the that's the old joke, the old chestnut, you know, that oh no, you don't I don't read Playboy for the naked women. I read Playboy actually because it's full of really good writers. And it was once upon a time. You know, people like Nabokov, um uh I didn't realize Norman Mailer, people like that used to yeah, Nab- Nabokov wrote for Playboy in the fifties, wow. I think, and sixties. Um, so you know, I mean, they had some re- real, real top tier, top tier talent writing for them, and and the articles, e- even through into the early noughties, you know, the articles are good and interesting, and there's a variety of different stuff. There's fiction, reportage, true crime, all that kind of stuff, health, fitness, etc., food, um, uh, opinion pieces, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I was looking at, at various different um, Playboy magazines and there were these Playboy uh, adverts for Playboy. What kind of man reads Playboy? And it would always be a sort of, you know, it would be like a man who's he's in the back of a limousine and he's got some champagne and he's got a beautiful woman. And, and it would be some little spiel, you know, like 100 words about the kind of the, the kind of dude who reads Playboy, how he's always got champagne on hand in the car and all that kind of stuff and i thought well i could do a i could do a like a what kind of man reads man's world type advert like that and it would be obviously a be playing on all sorts of stereotypes about you know the kind of people who go on 4chan and and twitter and post anonymously you know people who who live in their you know live in their parents basement and and um uh all that kind of stuff. So that's, I think that's that. That was kind of the main angle into it. I think was starting to do that kind of stuff, and that kind of stuff was in the first annual as well. Um, and then it's really just taken a life of its own, a life of its own since then. So I, I just, um, it's become a more and more integral part of the package, you know, because I think, I think really one of the, one of the things that Man's World has and that none of these other sort of competing or fellow publications on our in you know, on our side of the internet have is is humor and and this kind of energy um that's totally that, that actually totally you know agree. i think that, i think that that's that you can trace can, back yeah sorry no, go ahead no i was just gonna say the, the kind of stuff that you, that you can kind of i mean this this is part of the appeal of bronze age mindset as well and you you have all of these people who say, well, well, I'm in, I'm influenced by Bronze Age mindset and da da da, and you know, Bronze Age, Bronze Age pervert is such an influential figure and da da da, and he's showing us the way, etc. And then the kind of work they produce has none of the humor or energy that is so central to to Bronze Age mindset and to everything else that Bronze Age pervert does. So I was trying to capture some of that sort of anarchic energy massively online sort of um uh as you say like the old forums that kind of stuff that kind of vibe and sort of um and and kind of give it uh some kind of really sort of striking outlet and i think that the i think that the fake adverts are really have be, really become that have really become the sort of beating uh beating laughing heart of yeah. of of this whole enterprise and and they're one of the things that just yes as i say distinguish it from anything else that's um that's available really at the moment. Yeah. I think this humor point is just so important that I've heard you make before, because that's something that our enemies cannot do. 
They they can't. They, the humor's done. You know they can't do it. They can't, yeah. When's the last time there's been a big? Uh, I was actually talking to a Hollywood writer hack yesterday about this exact thing, and even he was like, "Yeah, no, mainstream movie comedies are done. There there aren't any. Yeah, you know because they can't do humor because doing humor is this tongue in cheek sort of." Um, critique of society that they just can't like the bronze age pervert is like an anchorman figure you know he's like he's he's a reference of yeah. himself and it's that's why he's so funny and that's why he's such a great um performer in our in our sphere and you're, you're right like so many of our other guys get take it so seriously and they kind of miss that point um and I think that that's just such a, a a key point. So why have you said though before that you never want to charge money for these ads? Uh, I suppose. I mean, it's it's difficult because people. There's one. This people, is a real one. Right? Um, I mean, there's a very, very uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one's real. There's a there's a kind of I think there's a very very strong very visceral reaction to anybody who's trying to sell anything via Twitter. You know. And um, I mean, even when I started publishing my books and I started publishing my books as free PDFs, then people were, it was, they were, they were very well received, but even people then were like, Oh, what are you trying to sell? Uh, you're just a grifter. So, I mean, I'm trying to, there's that, but then there's also the fact that I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to help people on our side who have products that, uh, you know, sort of, are worth buying i mean like you know you start up a a small bone broth company and um you know i mean money's tight right and uh i mean it makes the it makes the magazine look better to have an advert to have a nice advert in it and also you know it helps somebody who who deserves some help so i'm not too i'm not too worried about making money from advertising at the moment but obviously if the if the product model changes, you know, if this really starts to take off and maybe we get some physical publications, then I, yeah, I, I probably will charge for advertising. And obviously that's a, a way to make money and to fund the enterprise. Um, I mean, I, I went into, I went into this, as I say, like with my Twitter account, I went into this pretty blind, you know, I, I memed myself into making man's world and, uh, and I didn't think that it would it, that it would last more than one issue, let alone ten. So um, I'm kind of I'm figuring things out as I go, really. Yeah, I think uh, I mean this ad. It's just like I love the company, I love what they're doing, but for the love of Christ, just call me and let us do some product photography for you, Bro Bone Broth. <laughs> Wild <laughs> Isle, I love it, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, this is the whole thing about our guys. It's like it, this this part of it, the. This side of it is so foreign to guys on our side. It's like, they, I, yeah. you know, Curtis Yarvin hired me in 2017. I tell the story every time to give myself credibility, but he hired me to do branding <laughs> for him in 2017. And it was like, it was like, <laughs> like, this is a man who understands everything, but even talking about marketing made him uncomfortable, which is, I totally get it. I completely get it. I understand it's gross. Mm. It's weird. It's, it's, yeah, it's sellout E. Um, but this is how the entire media ecosystem of our enemies runs. This is how it functions. 
it functions yeah. on ads. That's yep. how they have made a pipeline of this. That's how they've taken over the world is via this pipeline. So it's like, it's just so funny how, how our, our guys are like so allergic to it. And I, I completely get it. And again, I, I don't, yeah, no. So um, what do you think then of somebody who, I mean, it's like when we're looking at somebody, I, w- I want to talk about Alex Jones, right? Alex Jones, the part that is gross about him is selling these supplements, right? And the, it, I think that yeah. somebody like, yeah, I well, see it's that. the part, it's the part yeah. that people, it's the part that people talk about, you know, especially when they want to, when they want to criticize him, his enemies, it's, oh, yeah, he tells you that there are chemicals in the water and he's selling water filters. I mean, that's what David Hogg said famously, yeah. but it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a very definite angle of attack. And, but what, so what I, what we're actually seeing in so much of this, both in woke marketing and in Alex Jones, you know, supplement shilling, what we're seeing is chaos. We're, we're not seeing, we, people think that we're seeing like a conspiracy on both sides. They think when, mm. when Alex Jones is trying to trick us into buying these things, Alex Jones needs money and these things sell. That's what, why we're seeing that. And that's a, he's willing to make that compromise in order to get his message out. Right. So we're seeing like Mm. a little bit of chaos tacked on to something that's really great. You know, something that he is, you know, the street poet of our time. He was before anybody, before our smartest guys, he was talking about this globalism thing and was scooped. Absolutely. Everybody, you know, the man's a complete genius. In history, he will be viewed as one of the great men of our time. You know, we're just a long way away from that. But he carries this gross little like poison with him because that's what he has to carry in order to monetize the rest of this operation. Otherwise, he would be just, you know, too pure and would never get anywhere. Um, And similarly, with woke marketing, what we're seeing is it's not that they're they want to shill transgenderism it's that they can shill transgenderism it's like there's a giant power vacuum that exists where products used to have to sell something they don't have to sell anything anymore so since they don't have to sell anything anymore you know their uh menageoisie brown graduate girl who has never had to be accountable, has never had to sell anything in her entire life. She can just put, use that pipeline that she's in in power of to forward her ideology. Right. And it doesn't make any difference. You look at the revenue. It makes absolutely fucking no difference. This whole go woke, go broke thing. Not real. Total cope. Yeah. Bud Light could make a million of those ads for every single brand. They wouldn't feel it for 50 years. You know, they, they just don't give a shit. And it's not that they're they're wanting to forward it. It's that they've outsourced this job to come some completely useless woman who doesn't need to be accountable. Therefore, she just pastes on this, uh, you know, the the sort of ideology she's been brainwashed with, basically. And, and that's why we're seeing this happening, I think. Um, it, but it's a, an amazing opportunity for our guys to come in and be like, well, we actually do have to sell shit. So we're going to mm-hmm. make ads that are necessarily really good. 
Um, which is, I think, exactly what you're doing here and exactly where we're headed. Because, I, you know, I didn't mean to say anything negative about I, I think this product is awesome and everything. But some of the ads in here are really, really uh, wonderful, even when they are trying to sell something. So, um, uh, yeah, anyway, sorry, that was my little soapbox thing here. Uh, oh, what are these Stetson McCoy things? These are parody, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're... Uh, um piss take of that guy braxton mccoy do you know the one i'm talking about the kind of base based um <laughs> based um rodeo guy or whatever you want to call him who uh who was kind of um living this bizarre kind of uh fantasy out of yellowstone and he has this masculinity um group a bit like the liminal order you know jack murphy's thing called the bunkhouse and the bunkhouse is <laughs> i think it's in yellowstone right and so i've come up with this parody called the bathhouse um uh and yeah so we've got these we, these silly ads so this is this actually this is kind of this ad that's on the screen at the moment is kind of taking up where the yellowstone memes left off you know so uh out here we don't call it a transition we call it what it's always been called a rite of passage you know it's like superficially based but actually extremely paused right um it, well and this is why this kind of goes back even to the um first ad we looked at which was you're always so ahead of the curve so it's like everybody's like oh yeah no i don't like seed oils let's do zero acre but then you're like no no don't do zero acre because you're being manipulated just like with uh, this, whatever this Braxton McCoy thing is, just like with Liminal Order, Jack Murphy, which ter who turned out to be, you know, a complete grifter, <laughs> I guess. I, I I don't, you know, how do we even interpret that? Like, does the fact that he likes to get shit stuck up his ass, like, does that immediately <laughs> disqualify him? I don't know. <laughs> like, I guess. I think so. I think it does. But, like, maybe I'm yeah, wrong. Me too. Um, And then uh, the best example, of course, is um returning to this one no of course black rifle coffee company yeah so your funniest ads i think are, are, are these and you have another really really funny one that says what is it it's like until until i drop i will fight for gay rights in, in ukraine <laughs> yeah yeah, no, the, the, the cuck operator coffee company, I think, is probably one of my best creations so far. It's that it just keeps on it just keeps on going. Um, but the thing is, like the, you know, the the Black Rifle Grift and, and all of these veteran owned companies that actually turn out to be uh, run by people who are who are just absolute dickheads who don't give a shit. And in fact, actually hate, actually hate the the demographics that they're catering to as came out, you know, with black rifle coffee, with Kyle, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just absolutely ripe for parody. I mean, the, everything about it and, and the kind of, um, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them do turn out to be involved in some form of polyamorous relationship, you know, some kind of cuckoldry. Um, and so it's just, yeah, I just thought, well, yeah, let's let's run with this and let's create a, a fake brand. So I mean I use there's a website called Smart Mockups and you can mock up products. And so I created packaging for Cuck Operator Coffee Company coffees and I've mocked them up on on, you know, on actual bags of coffee. So it's like you've got real products, what or what could be real yeah, cup cage and um 
stuff like that you know like I, you could i could honestly i could see that on a shelf somewhere and i could see some fucking bald bearded man um you know with like service tattoos all over him buying that with pride um why are yeah. they like this i don't i don't i'm so confused like why are they like this what it just doesn't make like jack murphy and black rifle like what are they doing do you have any sense of like why they're all like this well i mean i think i think with the the veteran owned coffee and veteran owned products then obviously there is a big market of there are a lot of people who who sort of you know are disillusioned with what they consider to be mainstream products and 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 the the advance of um wokeism and all that kind of stuff and they're looking to buy alternative products they want to buy they want to buy products that they consider to have some kind of integrity that support the values that they support you know the second amendment in particular freedom of speech um all that kind of stuff and i and i think it's just uh but a lot of these people aren't very clever and they don't they don't really seem to be able to see what companies like black rifle are actually doing um so it's kind of like uh i mean there's there's a big captive audience for stuff like that and even after the kyle rittenhouse thing then you know people still buy black rifle coffee it's amazing i mean that was insane the the, the founder of black rifle coffee was in the new york times or the washington post talking about how his you know people who buy black rifle coffee who support kyle rittenhouse are turds who deserve to be flushed down the toilet he actually said that yeah it's crazy and and just people can't this is why capital is so powerful because there's an inertia to capital you know it's like yeah once you set it up it's really hard to stop it it's like hard to stop those pipelines from just churning and uh it's insane to me, though. It's like, uh, yeah, in Montana, even in the most bright red Trump things, I would see black rifle coffee signs. And I'd be like, who? how have nobody told them? Like, somebody should have told them by now. Like, don't buy this shit. Like, obviously. And so it's just so surprising to me, these fucking grifters. I mean, do you think in their head, like, what is going on in Jack Murphy's head legitimately? Like, right now. What is he thinking? Is he just thinking, oh, you know, th these were my sexual tastes? I mean, what happened? So basically, he was this manosphere guy, like, come be a man. First of all, my thing is, anybody telling you anything about how to be a man, stop listening to them. <laughs> because nobody is going to, like, this is a man's group. Like, anybody who runs a man's group, it's going to be gay and lame. And no nobody there is going to tell you. A man's group is a business. That's what a fucking man's group is. A man's group is a group of people trying to make money. You know, if you want to join a man's group, fucking start a business, you know? Um, and yeah, uh, well, it's a big, it's a big business. I mean, he was charging thousands of thousands true, of dollars true. a year yeah, to that's be a member of the... right. So he was making a business out of it, but I just can't believe any man is sitting around being like, oh, I need to get in touch with my masculinity. It's like, if you need to get in touch with masculinity, go fucking fishing, you know, like anyway, but, um, so what is going on in his head right now? Do you think like Jack Murphy's head? I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's making a pivot now. He's made a pivot. Um, he's got this new thing that's called, I think it's called the rebel health Alliance. And he's made a pivot towards um, 
health optimization basically so ah. after all of the after all of the the um the meltdown and the and the um you know the amateur porn stuff all came out then he was on a kind of christian kick i think oh, and was yeah he was Is on a like he was on a he was on a yeah i think so he was on a redemption curve and he was saying all sorts of stuff on twitter like you know nobody nobody can judge me uh you know i've been saved all that sort of stuff and um and i've accepted my mortal weakness and you know that i'm a sinner before god and all that sort of stuff but that that kind of stuff has disappeared now and he's yeah he's got this he's got this health thing that he's that he's doing now that's only just only just started i think um where he's yeah he's getting supposedly got all sorts of doctors on board and they're going to offer sort of health optimization programs where you i think they're gonna gonna have an app and stuff like that you know and you can track your hormone levels and all sorts of stuff like that but um i mean it's amazing you know he he's still on there he's still on there he's still um i mean he lost a lot of followers but um he's still got one hundred twenty thousand followers Jeez, it's crazy and then this mccoy person there braxton mccoy the bathhouse or the the spunk house you could have also called yeah him. <laughs> yeah um, okay that one's that one's good um oh here's us yeah thank you thank you uh all right what else we got here okay so here's a real product um yep do you know anything about these guys these solo olive guys yes yeah i, I know the i know the founder he he's quite active on twitter martin ehrlich um yeah he's he's a good guy He's a really cool guy, and it's a it's an amazing product. It's it's olive oil produced in Croatia on a family plantation, family a small family owned plantation. I mean, it's like I've had a bottle of it. It is it's unlike any olive oil you would buy anywhere else. It's cold pressed using traditional methods. It's harvested by you know normal people, Croatian people, uh, members of his family and friends. Um, yeah, it's 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 an incredible. It's real unadulterated. Uh, pure extra virgin olive oil yeah fant fantastic product very cool all right well we should all be ordering this stuff um okay this is just a funny thing oh you have these great fake oatly ads i yep. believe it or not actually have written one of those terrible oatly ads before i know it's amazing that's that's well, incredible you know, That's fantastic. We, we all got to survive. We all got to pay the bills. But I mean, this was also before I fully, you know, it's funny before I wrote it and before I even ever encountered you, I knew there was something weird about it. I knew there was mm. some, I like, I was like, I would order it. And then I looked at the back and it said rapeseed oil. And I immediately yeah. was like, okay, this is obviously it's terrible. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, there's, well, that's why they terrible. call it canola. Yeah. That's it's why they canola. Call it canola. Exactly. You're literally chugging canola oil. <laughs> Which is just the most fucking hilarious thing. And, you know, working with the Oatly team, the thing is, they're actually like, in comparison to most, most brands, like they want to tell the truth. But then you just ask them, well, well, like, why are you showing canola oil then? And they have no answer, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it's sustainable, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, All right. What else we got here? This Charles Carroll thing. This looked interesting. Uh, this was he's got a cool kind of way of writing this guy yeah yeah it's like it's kind of like it reminds me of william burroughs something like that i think he's yeah. um 
yeah, it's it's a good piece. It's really interesting and a real scoop to get something from from Charles. I think it's the first thing he's ever written and published. Yeah, he's like an MDE guy, right? Yeah, I mean, he's filming World Peace 2 right now. Yeah, that's cool. So here's like another real one. This is cool. This is like a forged in fire clothing company. America. Yep. Um, oh, this is the magazine we were talking about that uh, I just mm-hmm. had J.L. Mackey on here. They're trying to bring this thing back. It's kind of like Art Deco Literary Journal. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. So here's here's an interesting thing. This is you uh, intuitively getting into what this is called a native ad. So native ads are these things that appear in literary magazines that are like paid supplements, but they look like an article. So how did this one come about? Well, I was just, I was contacted by the founder um, of the company, Chris Buzzkirk Jr., who I think is the son of Chris Buzzkirk, uh, who runs American Greatness, the journal. Okay, cool. Online cool. journal. And um, yeah, he's he's got a, he's got a new supplement company, F3 Supplements, uh, family run, uh, you know, conservative conservative business offering um high quality probiotics and i think other other um products are coming and uh yeah he just he wanted um he wanted um you know to advertise and and to try and uh reach out to the to the readers of man's world and my followers and i thought that this would be that this would be a better way to do it than for me to do posts on my twitter about the company because people people tend to um people tend to react badly i think to i mean i've done a few sort of um plugs for people's companies and people and and i just generally sort of get a bad reaction so i thought it would be better to do something like this like a sort of detailed spread about the company within man's world rather than um doing regular posts on twitter oh i see so they come after of course they want to pay you to uh, they do, they don't they don't they don't pay me they're not they're not paying me but um uh uh they you just know, I'm just helping them yeah they say yeah hey, yeah you, they're just they're just yeah i mean may, maybe they'll scratch my back at some point in the future but um yeah i just thought um you know these are people um on our side as such and yeah you know. no of course uh, as i was saying before this is like how the sausage is made so uh, what is your stance on probiotics do you think these are should we be taking these things i think that gut health is very very important and most people most people's digestive health is very very bad and i think i think the gut dysbiosis is probably the cause of a lot a lot of problems uh including things that we might you might not expect like autism i'm increasingly convinced that autism has a very 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 obvious um dietary component to it aggravating or even or even um maybe even causing autism um so i I mean i did some i did some tweets the other day about autism about some new studies well actually i did i wrote a piece for the national pulse that was it i wrote a piece for the national pulse about the latest cdc statistics which show that autism is is massively on the rise in the u.s and i was speculating or or talking a little bit at length in that piece about some of the potential causes and yeah i mean gut dysbiosis is definitely implicated in autism at the very least um so yeah i mean eating 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 um probiotic foods taking probiotics it's it's a good idea for sure 
they do say that. They say that stomach symptoms are like a big part of it. A, yeah, a big or, part or, of autistic autism. people have autistic people have yeah have really bad digestive issues. So yeah. weird, and also you know in in uh, the movie Vaxed. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's like the one study that they totally killed uh, that what showed that there was a correlation between vaccines and autism. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first symptom. It was like terrible stomach pains that these kids would get. Yeah, That was like they yeah. would come home from getting the RBR vax and the first thing they would like have horrible, horrible stomach pain. And then they would start like freaking out and like, like, you know, shaking their crib and stuff. And then they would wake up and never be the same again, which is so fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Well, I mean, they've done, they've done studies that show, for instance, that uh, people with autism, children with autism tend to have reduced levels of certain beneficial bacteria in their gut and much higher levels of um, dangerous bacteria in their guts. Things like, um, Escheria, E. coli, that kind of thing, Shigella. Um, wow. And then there's there was another study that um, on that was done on processed or a particular additive that's in processed food. Um, it's an antifungal. I can't remember the name of it. PPT, I think, something like that. It's an antifungal that's added to processed foods to extend the shelf life. And they've shown a direct correlation between um, levels of this antifungal and autism. Wow. Uh, you know, levels of it in the gut and levels of it in uh, stool samples and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's a definite. Um, I mean, more and more, you know, more and more people are are nuke their stomachs with antibiotics on a fairly regular basis. So, and then and then they don't do anything to try to um, reestablish, you know, the right kinds of bacteria in their gut. And there are all sorts of other things apart from antibiotics. You know, I mean. We're exposed to things like detergents, lots of detergent. You know, people don't rinse their plates and glasses properly. And you go to restaurants in the US, and I think there are, I think there are regulations about the use of detergent in restaurants and food settings where, like, you're not allowed to wash the detergent off the plates. You have to leave it on. <laughs> oh it's, it's disgusting and it's t- so bad for your stomach. Yeah, we'd be better off with like just infested bacteria on there than eating the fucking soap. You know, I mean, it's yeah, like, well, it, uh, it, yeah, yeah. It would be like those, you know, like those Indian, um, those videos of people eating food off the floor in India that, that are sort of doing the rounds at the moment on Twitter. Quite a few of them of people sort of eating rice off the floor and stuff. And it's like, you would be better off doing that. You'd than... literally be better off doing that. I mean, it's like a lot, you know, uh, it, we never had any of these problems in the age of George Orwell's first book, uh, Down and Out no. in Paris and London, is his first job is as a plongeur at uh, yep. a, a French restaurant. And it's just all about how utterly disgusting and like dirty all the food is, you know, and it's, this is supposedly the best food in the world. And it's like served on just, it's just, it comes from a complete bacteria infested place. And everybody was basically, I mean, you know, they didn't have the problems they have now, you know, the and and they weren't taking, uh, you know, a, a thing that a lot of people I've been diagnosed a bunch of times with all this shit. And they're like, Oh, take Nexium every day. Like that's what mm. a doctor will literally tell you to do, which will like kill yeah. you. That'll that's how yeah. Glenn Frey of the Eagles died. 
They, he like really? you know, of course yeah he was of course touring all the time so he had terrible stomach i'm sure he was drinking chugging coffee drinking so much anxiety of course he's gonna have some stomach problems right and so some some asshole doctor was just like gave him uh whatever it is clopinoprazole clo- whatever uh that drug is that is used for antacid and they they just upped it upped it upped it and then he got stomach cancer and died and oh, they sued him. They sued his family or his family sued the doctor for wrongful death because they were like, you know, you can't you didn't you didn't think that giving him this much of this drug and telling him to take it every day was going to kill him, mm. which it did. Fuck, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is what doctors will do. This is why we just don't you know, men have sort of an instinctive thing to not go to the doctor. And it's like we, you shouldn't. You really shouldn't go. Um. This is a hilarious one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is okay. We don't have to get, I think that one's self-explanatory. Um, okay, this is, let's just keep, oh, here's one. Is this a real uh, tobacco company? Yeah, yeah, in, um, uh, is, it El Sal- is it El Salvador? Yeah, I think it's El Salvador, yeah. Yeah, big, um, yeah, really, really Nicaragua, Nicaragua. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mombacho. Okay, cool. Where do you stand on tobacco use? Uh I mean I've I've smoked socially uh in the past. Uh it's um yeah, I think I think it has its benefits. I think if you're chronically stressed, having maybe a cigarette a day is probably better for you than or less worse for you than um than being chronically stressed. So uh i mean there's no doubt there's no doubt that there is obviously some some correlation between smoking and cancer but uh there are worse things than there are worse things as i say than than being chronically stressed um and also it is it is potentially linked to um well nicotine nicotine is an interesting substance and i think that nicotine has benefits that maybe you should seek out without having to smoke Right, because smoking is just going to destroy your lungs. But yeah, I mean, again, the most important thing. Yeah, right. I, I agree with the stress. Here's another good company. See, this is like a index of based companies. Also, it's anybody looking to like find based companies, you can find them here. Yeah, well, that's that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the things that I wanted the magazine to do is to yeah, is to is to point people in the direction of a whole host of of different companies that provide products that actually you might be looking for you know like oh it'd be nice to have a a really good a really good um lamb's wool pillow rather than some horrible synthetic thing that you know you're inhaling all night yeah yeah wait what is this <laughs> what's the enjoy just enjoy the ride what is this so that's just a, it's just a that's just a funny meme picture that you see on um 4chan sometimes it's like a it's a log ride you know one of those um log rides at like a theme park and it's yeah. obviously the 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 women in the back are sort of screaming and then there's this massive chad in the front <laughs> just looking t- totally nonplussed um so i i mean if i see stuff like that on 4chan then it, they almost inevitably end up as a kind of that so that's like a playboy type um uh ad i would say that's like a, a pastiche of a playboy ad right you also have a one of these with anandasha with epstein yeah 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 that's quite funny 
what's your take on those two? I don't really know. I don't really know too much about them, to be honest with you. Actually, I, I mean, I, I'm in a, a group chat with Anna. She's yeah, she's I like her. She's nice, but I, I don't know too much about the Red Scare podcast or anything like that. I mean, this is uh, the the Greco gum one. This is a great ad. This is like exactly what I would do if if great. I was making these ads. This is perfect. It's like Gre- it's like Greco is a good st- product. Oh, so that's real. Okay. Yeah, it's ma- mastic gum to chew. Oh yeah, and it did, so it's so fun. I was approached by a guy who was like, he was like a billionaire's son, and he has a, a sunglasses company that's like pretty normy but like pretty good. And I pitched him like years ago. This was like four years ago or something, or maybe like three. A bunch of ads like this, like blonde people in perfect shape just wearing the sunglasses. <laughs> Like and like a yeah, bunch of I mean, and that that is like the most the best image you could have right now because it's just signaling beauty, you know, and that, and that's what we yeah. need to be doing. Well, I mean, that's that's why I mean I've done some posts on Abercrombie and other yeah. people have done posts on Abercrombie. I mean, that is that's the aesthetic that people want. It's it, culture wants so badly to shift towards to basically what happened in the eighties, but like our version of it, like we want to shift towards normalcy so yeah. badly and they're preventing it from happening. You know, they're the, yeah, the, for long, sure. the long house is like stopping it. So it's like, we want to go there so bad, but we like, can't quite do it. You know, like there was a campaign. I talk about this a lot in like 2000, I want to say 14 or 15, there was a gap campaign called dress normal. Did you ever hear that? Uh, mm, I no, I don't think I did. Actually, so no, it was in America. It was here, and it was at like the rise of normcore. There was like a period where normcore rose, where people were dressing like oh like yeah dads. So Gap did this whole campaign. I thought it was one of the best campaigns in in a long time called Dress Normal, which was like so shocking to people, you know, because it was about just like being normal, and it just showed pictures of like attractive people like looking good. <laughs> and like going about yeah. their business, you know, in like yeah, normal it's clothes. Simple. Yeah. And I thought like that's where culture wanted to go. Like culture was yeah. going there and then they stopped it. They were like, nope, you can't do that. You have to go mm-hmm. deeper into, you know, gro- like disgustingness. You had to go like more into deeper and deeper into like where we had been before, which yep. is, you know, dreadlocks and all these ugly images. And, you know, men looking like women and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like we had these two veins of culture. One, like even the corporations knew we wanted to go to like a new conservative era, which was obviously where we should go. Mm. But then the powers that be like stopped that from happening. And we basically became communistic where art stopped, you know, being good for art's sake. Um, Yeah. These are hilarious. Mama's foo foo. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What is this? Is this? Is this? What is, is this real? Why is this guy doing? <laughs> it's a piss take. It's a piss oh, take. Okay, okay. This is hilarious. Wait. So explain this. I think I know what you're what you're doing with this one. But can you explain this one? This is yeah. This is a this is a reference to a certain um certain character on twitter yeah who um 
has been writing a lot about Gnosticism and Gnostic yeah. bodybuilders and stuff like that. Uh, he's a, a Swedish fellow. I can't remember his name, but um, uh, yeah, what is yeah. That? And this is obviously this is a recipe for the Swedish delicacy fufu, which is pounded <laughs> pounded plantain. <laughs> that is just so funny, man. Oh God. It's like I can't even begin to explain. Like you have to. There's so many references here. You have to understand to get this to understand why this is funny. But it's just so funny, uh, man. You just made up this one. You just made this up. Yeah, oh, yeah. So good, dude. I mean, you can follow the recipe. The recipe's real. You can make fufu if you want. Yeah, it's probably yeah. Who knows? Traditional melons that originating from the north of Sweden. <laughs> uh all right um okay and then here's a real recipe right this one's actually real yeah that's real yeah that's real good looking good um yeah i think you and uh bap should design a menu like an ideal menu for a restaurant yeah that would be cool that would be really cool yeah he knows his stuff about food he's definitely a, a gourmand well, I think he's a little like me that he's his he his whole life he's been going to restaurants, so he like is very in tune with them. Um, these I love these ads. I, these are like some of my favorites. These kind of um, synthwave things with the yeah. uh, with this font. You know, I actually know the guy who made this font, and I got fired from a big advertising agency because I like tried to stand up for him against jay-z it's kind of hard to explain but um what is this what is musk Mu muscle wave what is muscle wave uh i think it's i think that they have a i think it's just a meme page i think i'm not sure i can't remember i lose i lose track of this stuff man because it's just so much of it but yeah. um yeah it was they definitely had an instagram page i can remember where they post some cool memes and stuff 80s bodybuilders that kind of stuff synthwave so for something like this, have you just become like with Anna and Dasha here? Have you just become a like Photoshop master? Uh, I actually found that somewhere. I actually, I mean, I've altered, I've altered it slightly, but um, I do have a, I do have a Photoshop guy as well who helps oh, okay. me with some stuff. That's good. Yeah, but, it's important. Um, to have but a that's a, that's a very good, that's a very good Photoshop. I was gonna say this one is extraordinarily good. The, the way that it's perfectly done. I'm sure they love it. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm yeah sure i hope so <laughs> oh i'm sure they're fine with it have you been on have they are you have you been on there no they've they talked about the end of men um they did a when the end of men the tucker thing came out then they talked about that for an hour um but no i mean i, I talk to anna sometimes on this uh in a group chat on twitter but um uh and i've sent her and dasher a, a copy of the second annual um but yeah beyond that no What? Oh, is this what is is this a joke or is this real? No, these are real. These are the these are so my Photoshop man, um well, well he's more than my Photoshop man, my designer, uh designed these covers. These were so uh, originally when I made my paperback books and I did the covers myself in a very amateurish way, and then he has um produced these instead. Oh cool. So this is like an extra thing you can you can get. 
yeah, Countier. This I really like this ad too. This and this is something uh Countiers, I I'd see them on Instagram all the time. I don't know. Yeah, they're on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is in soaps. So they're they're I keep coming across them. They're like super based. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're cool. Twitter. We should all be buying dissident soaps. They're they're like ultra based. Uh oh, here's this is by Med Gold. Good old Med Gold. Here's Astral. Only egg. And this is a parody of uh Just, Just egg. egg. Yeah. Yep. You did a great what what was your thing? We can finish up with this because we're out of time. What what was your thing on Just Egg that you did recently? So I've done, I mean, I, I make memes all the time taunting the founder of Just Egg. Um, uh, but yes, I've, I've written quite a lot of stuff. So I've, um, I mean, I did an article for American Mind early last year about Just Egg, about, um, about how it's an abomination and, a, you know, is a, a gross parody of what an egg actually is. and But also how that sort of represents the kind of, well, just egg is basically transvestite food, basically, and that's what I'm, I'm making this broader argument sort of about transvestitism. Yeah, uh, right. It's in the culture. It's exactly. That's a great. That's a great call. But that, um, but that got the attention of the CEO of Just Egg, this chap called uh, Josh Tetrick, and I was talking to him in a in a group chat for ages uh, with Josh Lekach, who does Wrong Opinion, the yes. podcast, and um. We were supposed to be having a debate, he, uh, Josh, Josh um, Tetrick and I, moderated by Josh Lekach, about the future of food, where Josh Tetrick was going to argue for, you know, corporate products like Just Egg and as alternatives to traditional animal products. Um, but then I, I got on the beat about uh, lab-grown meat, because he makes lab-grown meat as well with good meat. That's the... the um, company his company that produces lab-grown meat and i got on the beat about lab-grown meat and, and immortalized cell lines which is i mean they're tumors basically so they're making they're making they're growing animal tumors and selling them as 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 food and um uh as soon as i started talking about it then this C, the ceo of just egg absolutely cut me dead disappeared from the group chat i'm blocked by all i'm blocked by just egg and good meat on twitter now um, but I've been I've been writing pieces for National Pulse about lab grown meat. Uh, I've just written one for the Epoch Times that's coming out soon. Um, uh, Wait, and so I've got what something. What was this thing that got him? What was the what was the thing? What was the thing that? Because it seems like he was like willing to talk about mm. the eggs. Yeah, he was. was. Yeah, he the was. Thing that got him. Well, so there was a big expose in Bloomberg about the fact that lab-grown meat makers don't want the public to know what lab-grown meat actually is. That it is a that it is cancer, effectively. That it is that it is made from animal cells that either naturally or artificially reproduce um, forever under the right conditions. Right. So, I mean, they're functionally tumors and humans have never eaten tumors by design and so we have no long-term safety data and there are potential potential worries that actually consuming it could even give you cancer right, yeah, like exactly. 
and they just they just do not want to talk about it right because that's the that's the worst possible association you could have for a food product it is yeah. cancer it is, and it yeah. might give you cancer yeah. um right, right. so uh there was this bloomberg expose and i started i wrote about it for national pulse i did a piece and um uh started making some funny memes about the fact that the you know that the ceo of just egg is trying to sell people tumors to eat um i think there was a one of them was a video of ben shapiro cackling um and it was like this the ceo of just egg when he um when the fda approves uh you know his his lab grown tumors for americans to eat something yeah. like that yeah. and yeah so uh, because i've started talking about this and you know i've got 150,000 followers and i've been writing stuff for the national pulse and he's just absolutely doesn't want to have anything to do with me now it's, it's fucked up man it's like you know what like but i don't understand why was he down to because you're doing the same thing you're ripping apart his egg yeah. also so why was he yeah. down for that conversation and not the other one? i don't like i think i think fundamentally he's probably actually not a bad chap like i don't right. think i think he's quite i think he's quite naive actually and i think he yeah. probably like you said about um some of these other companies about Oatly, for instance, I think he genuinely thinks that he's saving the world. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of these so, guys, I think that they're kind of like useful idiots, you know? Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. That's a, that's a good yeah. way to describe him. I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. But well, um, yeah. yeah. So I think he was, he was down to, I think he was down to, to debate because he thought, he thought that he could um, sort of wipe the floor with me and that he would be able to, you know, um, uh, establish right. the case for lab-grown meat and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, you uh, still could. I'm surprised he was such a bitch about it because, I mean, you still could. Look, I mean, you could still get up there and say, well, I'm sure there's some analog of some other thing we've created that was like a nonstop growth process. Yeah. Like there's got to be some argument he could make, right? It's like, yeah. why is he that afraid? It's so stupid. And that's why that's like part of the reason why our culture is breaking apart. It's because like the longhouse P it's actually really funny. We're talking about this because the, I had the PR woman for, I, I used to like write for LA weekly and vice. So I would get like 20 emails a day from PR people. And this one woman like hunted me down and borderline like flirted with me. Like it was really gross and she worked for, uh, what's the Mayo that was before, like just Mayo? What was it called before? Hampton Creek. Yeah, she worked for Hampton Creek. And it was like, she was a big time tech PR person. And all her oh. clients, she would like be like, hey, let's get drinks and like, tell me about her clients. It was all like very gross. And Hampton Creek was one of her big clients. And she kept trying to get me to write about them. And I kept asking questions about it, like, well, wait, what is this? Like, blah, blah, blah. And they were always really cagey about it. And the thing is, it's like you're saying, like, this dude, if he didn't have a bunch of PR assholes around him telling him, oh, don't stay away from him, like, he probably would have a real conversation with you and try and, like, come up with some basis to defend this thing. But instead, you know, they're just going to cut all of us off and pretend like it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think that they're, I think that they're, um, quite prepared to um to mislead people about what their products are you know it's like oh this yeah. is this is just this yeah. is just chicken that's grown in a bioreactor well right. uh, it's not i mean it's not it's okay it's chicken cells but 
It's cancer. They don't resemble normal <laughs> chicken cancer. cells. How, how do the can how do cells replicate without a body? It's called cancer. Like that's literally what it is. But it's like they they should. It's so stupid. They have they're paying all mm. these people to tell them how to propagandize, and it's just like if they yep. didn't pay any of those people, if they weren't so well funded, this is a big problem with tech. If they weren't so well funded and dumping all that money into marketing, the CEO would have to just sit, stand up there and be like, okay, here's how I'm answering these questions, you know, man to man. But instead, mm. somebody told you them like, oh, stay away from him, you know. And well, and, the, oh, ama- the amazing thing. Canceled. The amazing thing about companies like um, Just Egg and, and Good Meat is that they're worth billions of dollars. I mean, yeah. uh, Good Good Meat is worth, or the 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 parent company Just Eat Just is worth um, billions of dollars, but they don't actually sell anything yet. No, it's fake. Really, it's other than yeah. other than these Just Egg. I mean, Just Egg doesn't doesn't really sell. I mean, they do sell it, but it doesn't sell in any great quantity, and yet the company's valued as well over a billion dollars yeah because they're valued valued in a billion dollars of like international development bank loans that they're going to get then they are going to get these cheap ass loans they're going to get free money from you know international banks all across the world who want nothing more than to get in on the ground floor of a not only selling cancer or human shit or dead people for the maximum possible price in the name (laughs) of sustainability but as you say, they can patent all that shit. You know, they yep. patent the cancer. So instead, you know, you can't patent corn, but you can patent dead people, you know, or like you can pan- patent cancer in the form of chicken meat, right? That's something you can patent. So all these yep. banks are super excited to make a million loans to them forever. And they just kind of like cover it with this idea of sustainable, you know, oh, we need to feed the planets. You know, and it's like, uh, that's how it works. Yeah, well, they've been, I mean, the uh, eat just good meat, then they've been very, 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 very canny. They've um, got in with the government of Singapore and Singapore was the first place where they had a manufacturing facility and it was the first place where they got um, any kind of authorization to sell their products. So they've been selling lab-grown meat in Singapore since 2020, I think. Uh, they've positioned their manufacturing facility there because what they want to do is they want to break into the Chinese market. That's what they really want is they want to, you know, produce millions of pounds of, of um, cancerous, cancerous chicken cells in Singapore and then lob them at China. You know, that, like that, that's their business plan, I think. Totally. And if they, and once they get the government on board, it's like impossible to stop it. I mean, the thing that's, it's like, that's already what soy is like China's already done this. It's called soy. Mm. You know, it's like, they've already figured yeah. it out. Like, and they've probably figured it out in a healthier way than this gross shit that you're making in a lab. That's never going to work. This is never going to work. I mean, this is what I want to tell these people. Like these companies are worth $0. The shit mm. does not work. Nobody wants to eat this shit. It's absolutely disgusting. It makes you feel terrible. And it's probably in the long run far more expensive to run a bunch of like crazy chemicals through an expeller processor machine than it is yeah. to just raise an animal, you know? Yeah. Like probably yeah. much more. Well, I talk I talk about that in the eggs Benedict option, my new book. There was a study that was done of lab grown meat via V other forms of producing meat. And um it actually turns out that if you're not 
if your research isn't being funded by a company that produces lab-grown meat, your assessment of how efficient lab-grown meat actually is turns out to be very different. And actually, it's not right. it's not better for the planet in any obvious sense than than just, you know, raising chickens or raising beef, raising cattle, yeah. you know. Um, better for the people who own the capital because then yeah, they exactly. can, you know, they can charge, they can, people who own capital, their dream. The number thing, one thing they want is to sell you shit for the highest yeah. possible price because there's yeah. an unlimited supply of shit and it costs mm -hmm. absolutely nothing. So like that's yeah. the dream of the, uh, you know, international globalist class. They want to take something that has no value and sell it to you as something you absolutely need, mm. which is food. That's like their dream. And, mm. you know, what you're doing such a good job of is is uh, pointing that out. And it's driving them nuts, clearly. But, uh, all right, man. Dude, thank you so much. Uh, this was really great. Uh, Man's World. My Everybody pleasure. needs to subscribe. Yeah, sorry. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, of course, man. Yeah, I'll put all the links in the thing. And um what can people buy? What what are, what are where can I send people for them to buy things? So you can buy my new paperback book, uh, the Eggs Benedict Option, via Amazon, or directly from the publisher if you're in the US. That's AntelopeHillPublishing.com. Uh, they also sell the Man's World Annual, which is the hardback um, uh, version of uh, Man's World. We're on the third, on the third, second. God, I, I lose track. Third or second? I think it's the second. Yeah, the second Man's World Annual. So it's a selection of the best articles from the past year in Man's World. Uh, amazing aesthetics. Uh, fantastic coffee table book. Amazing gift for a father or uncle or brother or son, whoever. Maybe even a base wife. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, Amazon is where you'll find more or less all my stuff most of my stuff apart from some stuff that's on the antelope hill website to do with man's world and you have a, a cookbook right yep yeah yeah there's a hardcover cookbook which is for sale from uh, antelope hill or uh you can get the paperback original version of it the less glossy version from amazon very cool very very cool well thank you so much really appreciate this and uh, obviously we'll be seeing a lot more of you in the future yeah it's uh, a pleasure isaac thank you Bad.